Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of the Ending Forever podcast. I go by to find peace, aka the Ending Forever, aka Tizzle, aka I love Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors equally. Please don't ask. AKA Rest in Peace, Nipsey Hustle, Neighborhood Nip. AKA If It's Love, You Know It's Love. And if it isn't, don't call it hate. Uh, let's get into an intro with a quote from Nipsey, uh, or an extension of the intro with a quote from Nipsey. I ain't messing with no snakes. Ain't nothing charming about no snake. I don't trust a snake. I don't care how well you say you got it trained. It just ain't chose to turn on you yet. He ain't chose to bite you yet. Anyone I know who has a snake got bit by that snake. Read the Bible. It will tell you don't trust a snake. Uh. Yes. Yeah, so uh, welcome to another episode. You know what these I never know um, how I'm going to get there, but I always know where I want to go. So, you know, let's kick things off. Hope you guys are all having a great day. You know, great morning, afternoon or evening, depending on where you are. You know, I just wanted to touch on a few things. I'm going to take a sip of this coffee. Ah, one more sip. It's so funny how I went like eight or nine years without drinking coffee, right? It's another, if you guys listen to the uh, the last episode of the podcast, um, you know, I kind of touched on, you know, like, I'm like a light switch with things, you know, like one day I'm doing things for, I've been doing something for an extended period of time, like a habit of some kind. And then next thing you know, a light switch, you know, turns on or turns off and I go into a completely different direction. So uh, it's, it's, it's pretty funny how I just like you can go from not drinking coffee at all for that period of time. And then all of a sudden I'm a coffee drinker. But, you know, it's a positive thing. Tasty. Um, well, if you add a little bit of sugar and milk, you know, I can have it black if I need to. Um, but you got to have some sugar and milk in that coffee. So the first thing I wanted to touch on, I uh, you know, I was uh you know, when I did, well, let's just, you know, go back to the last podcast, uh, The Transparent Genuine. Um, that was definitely my most um, personal podcast to date. And it got a really good response. So, you know, thanks to everyone who checked it out. Um, you know, I put everything into any form of art that I um, that I partake in. So I'm glad that uh, it got such a good response on such a um, personal yet important message. So I'm glad that everyone got a chance to listen to that or a lot of people did. If you haven't um, listened to all the podcasts, but the End of Forever podcast, episode eight, the transparent, genuine uh, definitely got a great response. Um, So when I did that pod, um, I had touched on um, at that point, it was the um, I believe we were going into game six for the Lakers against the Miami Heat. And, um, you know, at that point, you know, Miami could force a game seven or the Lakers could close it out. And um, I know I mentioned that the Lakers would have to this close it out that game for sure, because you didn't want to go into a game seven with Miami. It'd be 50 50. And um, we all witnessed the Lakers came out and, you know, took the heat behind the shed and put a beat down on them and secured uh, that championship. So, you know, congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers, um, you know, for winning their championship. LeBron got his fourth um, NBA championship and his fourth finals MVP. Um, I was very impressed with the Heat, though. I mean, the Heat put up a pretty good fight. You know what I mean? And they were um, they had a great run themselves as the Eastern Conference champions. I've always been a fan of Jimmy Butler and, uh, you know, the supporting cast from Harrow. I think the other dude, Spencer something. I'm, I'm bad with names in general. And, um, you know, uh, what was the other brother's name? I'm forgetting his name. The other brother, that's like the second highest score, like the one-two punch. I'm forgetting his name. 
But anyway, you know, the Miami Miami did a great job and they had a successful season and I'm sure we'll be seeing them around for some time. And, you know, this, you know, this brings us to, you know, the continued um, debate happening in barbershops and with uh, within families, you know, everywhere, you know, everyone um, is continuing to have that um, that discussion about, you know, who's the greatest of all time, you know, with, uh, you know, between Michael Jordan, you know, LeBron James, you know, Kobe Bryant's and uh, well, I throw Kobe in there because Kobe's my favorite player of all time. And uh, shout out to the Lakers for winning the the title. I know they dedicated their season to to Kobe and, and Gianna. So it was great to see them pull that off, you know, Mamba legacy. Um, but yeah, you know, the Jordan LeBron debate continues, you know, and I, I, I'm steadfast in uh, saying that Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. You know, just what he accomplished and, you know, what he was able to do in the finals as far as eclipsing a lot of other Hall of Fame players, you know, ruining their chances to win titles. Um, you know, um, he got magic at the end of his run. I know he beat Clyde Drexler. I know he got Kemp and uh, Peyton at one point. Barkley. I know he got Stockton and Malone at another point. I feel like I'm forgetting someone else. But, um, you know, that 6-0 and finals record is um, something that I don't know if we'll ever see again. Because it's, it's almost, it's, it's more so the way Michael Jordan won. Um, and not necessarily the number of champions uh, championships, because there's other players that have more championships than him. Jordan has said it himself, um, you know, with Bill Russell and even Robert Horry's got seven rings, you know, jumping from team to team, but making clutch shots nonetheless. But, you know, um, I think it's the way that Jordan won those um, those championships, you know, and the fact that he did two three peats, you know, I mean, the fact that he won three straight, took two years off to be so-so at baseball and then to come back have an okay like partway through the season season and then to win three more i think it's just the the fashion in which he won that is so impressive in addition to all the all-around stats but i will say that lebron james is definitely making that argument for greatest of all time um very difficult now you know what i mean because um even though he's been to the finals he has a lot of um finals losses you know we can't discount or we can't take away from the fact that this man has been to like 10 or 11 um so you guys can correct me but i think it's i think it's 10 finals appearances if or if not 11 the fact to just make it there and that he could potentially have 10 championships right now is pretty incredible um but he's got four and you know uh, his all-around stats i mean one thing that we can't argue with lebron is um as far as being a physical specimen we've never seen an athlete in in basketball, um, like LeBron, he's like six eight two sixty. You know, he's as strong as a bull, and he's as fast as a sprinter. You know, and he's he's got excellent court awareness, very high IQ, and um, he also um, his all around stats are pretty are pretty amazing. Like Jordan, like Kobe, or Kobe like Jordan more so. Um, they were assassins, you know, and they they predominantly cared about scoring. They would just bucket you to death. You know what I mean? Where LeBron has always put emphasis on getting his teammates involved. So where Jordan and LeBron have a lot of the same accolades, they differ in in in, in certain ways where LeBron James um, has the ability to be that have that serial killer, um, damn near sociopathic or psychopathic mentalities that Kobe and Jordan had. But 
you know, I, I feel like they have that a little bit more so than LeBron. LeBron is more of a facilitator and a team player, and that's where they differ. That's where LeBron... That's why I feel like you put Jordan and Kobe on one side because they got that serial killer, look, it, if we need to get this W, I'm going to do it myself kind of attitude, right? Which I appreciate them for, but we cannot discount Bron in the fact that one thing that I feel like he does better than uh, Jordan and Kobe is that he facilitates. So, you know, LeBron will give you 30 points, but, you know, he'll also grab 10 boards and 10 assists. You know, I think he holds the record for the most triple doubles in a postseason. Um, his all around stats um, are pretty aligned with Jordan. And he's also passed Jordan and Kobe on the all time scoring list. You know, he's just uh, 35 years old now, I believe, 36 in January. And the way he's looking, he could play for another five years. So he could end up number one on the all-time scoring list. Maybe he'll catch Malone. Maybe he'll catch uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, you know, it's like there's different arguments that can be made, but, you know, to be, um, you know, to not be uh, biased and not to be too too one-sided, I feel like we have to really start putting LeBron in that conversation. You know what I mean? Some people will say that him and Jordan are on, on the same level right now. Um, you know, some people are going to say LeBron's the GOAT, especially the younger generation that grew up watching him. Others are going to say Jordan. Um, others are going to say Kobe. You know what I mean? Um, I throw Kobe in there because even if Kobe doesn't have the all around stats overall that like Jordan and LeBron has, Kobe's impact on the game, you know what I mean? And his peers will tell you, you know, NBA players themselves who played against him will tell you that he absolutely deserves to be in that conversation. Um, but, you know, one thing that... Um, one thing that we always we, we also have to keep into consideration, too, is that the debates are going to go on forever. And I feel like who you think the greatest is, is going to be dictated on who you grew up watching from a young child into your teenage and adulthood. And you're going to be biased towards that. You know what I mean? So the generation before me, all they witnessed was Jordan. That's their guy. Me, I witnessed a little bit of Jordan at the tail end, but it was Kobe, you know, was who I grew up with. And then, my, you know, the younger generation than me, they grew up with LeBron. So. The debate's going to be never ending and barbershops, family get togethers, barbecues, work um, on the phone with your with your boys or whoever, you know, other basketball fans. That debate is going to go on forever. You know what I'm saying? But I admit, you know, LeBron, um, LeBron's making it difficult now. You know what I mean? Because we, we have to respect greatness, you know, personal feelings aside, who we lean towards more aside. You know, you got to respect game and um, what he's doing at this age um, is unprecedented like the year has been for us. So I got to give him his props, you know, shout out to the Lakers again. Um, it was a great uh, it was a great uh, thing to witness. Um, there was also a lot of teams that like, you know, this year in the bubble, watching them all play quarantine, you know, um, it was just like this year, man, it was an unprecedented experience to witness the playoffs this year with no fans. And you're only seeing the fans on like, you know, on the screens. And it was just a it was something out of a movie for real. But I feel like it heightened the the playing experience. And I, I feel like we saw a lot of great performances um, from a lot of great teams. You know, um, that's a good segue into, you know, the off season, which is pretty much upon us. We're on the eve of that. It's going to be pretty interesting. You know, the Raptors, you know, I love Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors equally. Um, and they both had a second round uh, game seven exit. So uh, the Celtics took out the Raptors. I lost the bet with my cousin. Um, I had to, uh, as you probably would have seen on my IG, I had to keep that up. 
you know, for the entire postseason. I wasn't happy about that, but a bet's a bet. And, you know, the the Clippers, um, everyone was looking forward to that Battle of L.A. showdown. I wanted to see that. The Lakers wanted it. The Clippers wanted that. But the Nuggets, you know what I mean? One important part of that of that that team is a is a is, is Canada's own Kitchener's own Jamal Murray. I believe that's his name. I, I, I'd be messing up names. Um, but I thought he was absolutely lights out. I mean, that kid is incredible. You know what I mean? Like his game is incredible. You know what I mean? That was that was it was painful yet beautiful to watch at the same time. So shout out to him and uh, the continued emergence of Canadian talent um, showcasing the, their skills on the scene, you know, so uh, shout out to him. Um, but yeah, this offseason, um, you know, there's going to be a, there's a lot of questions um, for this offseason. I mean, the there's a lot to witness, uh, you know, next year, you know, when when the season kicks off, you know, uh, Curry and Thompson are back for the Warriors. I'm sure the Clippers want revenge. I know the Lakers want to repeat um, who uh, the Heat probably want to get back there. You know, I know Giannis and the Bucks probably want to make some noise. Uh, we got Kyrie and KD in Brooklyn. Um, so it's going to be another uh, incredible season. Looks like we're going to have some more bubble play. I don't know if we're going to be playing in front of uh, if teams are going to be playing in front of fans. Um, but I guess that's something that we'll just have to see. But the offseason has a lot of questions, um, you know, especially right now with the um, with the Raptors. You know, we got some free agents, you know, let's start off with Fred Van Fleet, you know. Sorry, I took another sip of my coffee, man. You know, steady Freddie, you know, um, I mean, that's he was he's an integral part of our team, the future of the Raptors. You know what I mean? Like, he's a very important part. I love every part of that guy's game. He's a lion, man. And um, it puts us in a, in, in, a, in a tough position because teams are throwing some really fat contracts his way. And it's, you know, Freddie's going to make a decision between, you know, he's going to do what's best for him and his family. You know what I mean? And. You know, when, when when teams are throwing those M's at you, um, it's going to put him in a precarious position, so to speak. So, you know, you know, best case scenario, I'm hoping that he's like, you know what? I want a championship with the Raptors. I'm comfortable here. This is where I made my bones, so to speak. Other teams are offering more, but I know they're going to offer me a good contract. Let me stay here with the with the team that I basically made my bones with and became who I am take the best contract they they can give me and let's keep this Toronto thing going and try to win another one in the near future. Or, you know, his his approach could be, hey, I already won a championship with this team. I'm thankful for every opportunity that they gave me. But now's a time to challenge myself and take on a new challenge. You know, I'm already an NBA champion, so I've been to the top of the mountain and it might give him a little leeway to, you know, weigh his options. You know what I'm saying? And to, um, you know, maybe take his journey elsewhere. So, you know, whatever Fred Van Fleet decides, I'm always going to be a fan of his. You know, he was an integral part of our championship run. Uh, but I'm hoping, man, I'm hoping we need more players like like DeMar DeRozan. You know, I mean, you know, DeMar couldn't deliver for us um, as much as we needed in the playoffs, I would say. But I mean, DeMar is a hell of a player, an all star with the Raptors. And one thing I loved about DeMar, and we should also say that Vince Carter had the same approach, even though the politics um, came down in the head office. If you watch the Carter effect, you learn that a lot of people thought Carter didn't want to be in Toronto. He didn't want to get traded. There was some um, higher up um, bad decision making that led to Carter exiting. But Vince loved Toronto and DeMar took it a step further. DeMar loved everything about Toronto. He was loyal to Toronto. And, you know, we need more players like DeMar who like 
are invested in Toronto Raptors basketball and, and the city and, and the country behind them. It's like, yes, you can play in the States and, you know, in your home country, but imagine playing for an entire country with an amazing city. You know, we have the best fans in the NBA. I feel like we have the best mascot in the NBA. Um, and we just need more players that, you know, we got an, an excellent GM, an excellent coach. You know, we got a, I think, I think Masai has been the executive of the year, of the year at some point. We got a, we got a coach of the year in Nick Nurse. You know, he's excellent at, um, he's excellent at just having the team run on the fly. You know, he's excellent at making last minute decisions and he's just a very adaptable coach and people love playing for him. So we just need more players to have that mentality. And I'm hoping that Freddie, Steady Freddie, um, invests with us. But no matter how the uh, further invest with us, but no matter how the, the cookie crumbles, so to speak, um, you know, I wish him the best. But man, Freddie, we need you, dog. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully Drake, you know, hopefully Champagne can, uh, you know, you know, pull him aside and uh, assist with, um, you know, keeping him in Toronto. Um, you know, we got some decisions to make about Serge Ibaka as well, you know, Um is Serge Ibaka going to sign? Is he going to move elsewhere? You know, we also got to consider Kyle Lowry. You know what I mean? If we throw some money at, at Steady Freddie, you know, we also got to figure out Lowry as well. I mean, you know, Masai's got a, got a lot of tough decisions to make, but I think no matter how the cookie crumbles, no matter how the chips fall or, you know, no matter how things go from here, we got to trust the Masai because, you know, if it wasn't for Masai Ujiri, we wouldn't have tasted a championship. You know, he's used to making tough decisions and he's going to do what's best for the Raptors long term. And I know his sole focus is bringing another championship to Toronto. Right. So he's going to do whatever he has to do. And we're going to have to respect whatever decision he makes. You know, I don't want to hear no critiques of, of Masai because, again, you know, when you go to critique him, remind yourself, did you did you enjoy that 2019 run? Did you enjoy seeing the Raptors go on that run in the playoffs? Did you enjoy um, watching on TV or watching in a bar or a restaurant or being at uh, Jurassic Park? Did you enjoy the parade? Well, if it wasn't for Masai, you wouldn't have had any of that. So whatever decisions he makes, he's he's got the stones to make the tough decisions. You know what I'm saying? So we'll see how that how that plays out. You know what I'm saying? Another thing that I wanted to talk about, um, which is kind of sad for me personally, is the passing of the longtime legendary host of uh, Jeopardy, Alex Trebek. That one hit me. That one hit me different because uh, if you know me, um, those who know me know me. No, there's a lot of no's there that um, I'm a huge fan of Jeopardy. And uh, my history with Jeopardy uh, started, you know, when I was younger, you know, my grandfather who lived in Portland, Maine. You know, I would go and I would go and visit him and he loved watching his game shows, Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, among others. And from a young age, I would always be uh, watching Jeopardy with him. And he would always call my mom while I was down there visiting, saying, you know, he's getting all the questions right. How does this, how, how does he know? How does he know all these questions? And, you know, that, that's kind of where my love for Jeopardy kind of came in. And like, you know, for me, if I just got a couple questions, a couple to a few questions right, I felt like a genius because these guys study up real good. You got a lot of sharp people on there that, you know, get a lot of questions right. And I always just had a passion for Jeopardy. And I hadn't watched Jeopardy for a number of years. You know, I've watched Jeopardy not like throughout my life, you know, anytime that it was on and I had the time, I would watch it. But there had been a little while before 2020 where I hadn't really been watching um, Jeopardy that much, you know. 
And then over the last, I want to say the last couple of months, I got back into Jeopardy again. And, you know, I was watching at least a few times a week, you know, priding myself on winning um, over the last couple of months. Uh, people closest to me get annoyed because um, I, uh, I'm i always bragging about this. I get a little braggocious, but, you know, I'm a four time final Jeopardy winner. Round of applause for me. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can do it. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I've, I've won a couple of final Jeopardies. You know, I take pride in the amount of questions I got. I get right. And, um, you know, Alex Trebek is just, you know, he was an amazing guy, man. He was he was a he was he, he was a real cool dude, man. Laid back, chill. And, you know, I used to love when he would um, when there'd be like hip hop or rap questions. And sometimes you'd have to quote the lyrics and he's sitting there quoting lyrics from Drake or Lil Wayne or whoever. And um, he's doing it with like, I think Kendrick Lamar one time and he's he's quoting these rap lyrics with like perfect diction and like articulateness, if that's a word, you know, Um, but he's a whole legend, man. And um, sad to hear that um, he passed away. Um, I had just watched him on TV the night before he passed away. You know, Um, I was watching with my goddaughters and, you know, I try to watch as, as, as much as I can. So. I was sad to hear that the very next day he passed away, but it wasn't that much of a surprise because I know he had been battling like stage four pancreatic uh, cancer for a long time. And he was up there in age. He was 80 years old. So always sad um, for people to pass, you know, especially in that way, you know, fuck cancer, as they say. And um, but, you know, rest in power, Alex, you know, and thank you for all your memories and um, just being a, a an amazing host of Jeopardy. So it won't be the same without you. Um, but, you know, I know that the, the Jeopardy program is going to keep your legacy alive and, you know, they're going to find an appropriate replacement to, to carry the torch and to move things forward because that's all you can do. All things must come to an end, you know, um, but rest in power and um, my condolences to your family and friends and everybody who loves Alex as much as I did. Um, you know, so um, and also, you know, uh, Alex Trebek was an avid uh, Lakers fan. I found that out as well, too. So it's great that he got to, uh, to see, um, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, return to prominence, so to speak, and uh, to win uh, the 2020 uh, NBA championship. So he, at least at least he got to witness that. And um, and he kept hosting, too. I, I believe they said that he was hosting Jeopardy up until October 29th. So um, he was um, and he looked like he was getting better, too. I mean, I was I was very impressed that he was battling. Um, cancer, but he was still like very much in the, like it didn't show in his hosting of the show at all. You know, he was in always in good spirits and walking around. He had energy. So, you know, tough to hear about him losing that battle. And, um, you know, kind of reminds me of a uh, Chadwick Boseman. You know, the fact that, I mean, uh, Alex let us know that he was dealing with the uh, pancreatic cancer, but even with uh, Chadwick with the colon cancer, both of them, you know, like their um, their strength and perseverance, you know, is something to uh uh, to respect, you know what I mean? Uh, that's for sure. Um, another thing that I wanted to uh, to touch on is uh, you guys know I'm a movie and TV show connoisseur. So I just wanted to share some of the things that I've been watching lately. Um, you know, I won't give too much away, but um, or in, in, a, in, a, in a show that I'm looking forward, uh, an- another season of it's coming out. But I thought I would just touch on, you know, some of that. And let you guys know what I've been watching. So I'm a fan of uh, true crime, you know, true crime documentaries or true crime shows. And volume two of Unsolved Mysteries came out. Unsolved Mysteries is a trip, man. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's um, 
it really makes me question some of these cases. Like, I don't know, yo. Like, when I'm watching Unsolved Mysteries, you know, usually when you watch true crime, you know, during or leading up to the conclusion, you know, you can kind of draw, uh, you can kind of draw a conclusion that's plausible. Like, okay, like either this is what I think happened and then it, it proves that it happened. Or even if the case is unsolved, you can at least get to some point where you're like, okay, this is what I think happened. You know, this is my best guess at what happened here. But unsolved mysteries is a trip. Some of these cases, you, you know, you're, you're, you're watching and you're going, you're scratching your head like, what? What happened? You know, but um, I'm not even lie to you, man. There was a couple of them thinking like, yo, this seems like some, yo, this might be some extraterrestrial shit. I mean, they touch on some shit like that. You know, I mean, hey, I keep an open mind. I have my beliefs, but, you know, some of this shit's really unexplainable. You know what I mean? But uh, Unsolved Mysteries is a good watch. It's a good head scratcher. Um, and it'll really have you thinking. Um, I watched The Haunting of Bly Manor. I'm a fan of horror and scary movies. Um, you know, I watch them, you know, I get shook too, you know, I get, I get shook, they see the good ones, the good ones will definitely have you feeling a little shook, you know, but that's what I'm there for, you know what I'm saying, you, you know, I love watching a good horror and a good scary movie, uh, now, The Haunting of Bly Manor, uh, is basically a follow-up to The Haunting of Hill House, it's not really scary, per se, it's more of like a thriller, mystery, and just good storytelling, good cinematography, and good acting, so, um, you know, if you're not really a fan of the stuff that's gonna, make you have bad dreams or, you know, make you, you know, sleep with an extra light on. Uh, you don't got to be too worried about The Haunting of Bly Manor or The Haunting of Hill House. Um, but they're both really good shows, you know, if you're just a fan of uh, just good good stories and good storylines. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I watched a true crime that was definitely a trip, a jaw dropper. Like, you're just like WTF, for real, right? And that was American Murder Story, The Family Next Door. That's on Netflix as well check that out. You know, I don't even want to get too much into that. Um, but that's, that's one of those ones where you're just like, what the fuck and why? You know what I mean? Like, you know, the route could have been different dog. You know, that's all I'm going to say, but that one was a trip and that one just like, why? You know what I'm saying? And it's just a reminder that the world's a crazy place. Um, another show that I'm looking forward to, I'm a huge fan of this show. People are often really surprised. But then if you really know me, you're not surprised, you know? So if you just kind of know me, you're like, really? You're into that? But if you know me, you're like, yeah, you know, that's something that Sheldon would be into. Uh, the Crown. I'm a huge fan of The Crown that covers, you know, essentially the British family, you know, Queen Elizabeth and, you know, just her 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 tenure as the the head of the monarchy, the figurehead, you know, over the decade to decade, you know? So the show starts off from when her dad, um, you know, took power and then her dad passed and then it just basically she had to take over from a young age and you're just traveling decade to decade through um, everything that occurred in, in the world. And you get kind of like a behind the scenes look at how the monarchy exists, how they operate, how they're intertwined in the politics between them and um you know, their actual political system, you know, the relationship between whoever's prime minister and the queen. And, you know, um, there was world wars that happened. There was uh, economic things. There was uh, natural disasters. I mean, it's, and just seeing like a getting a glimpse, you know, um, a glimpse behind the scenes as to, you know, how the queen 
may have been thinking or like, you know, just seeing another side. And obviously a little bit of it is dramatized. But, you know, one thing about it is if you watch the uh, the crown and you actually look up the event, so you might watch an episode, they cover an event, you go to Google, you go and do your research and you're like, oh, like, this is pretty factual. The show hits the nail on the head as far as events that actually took place. Now, I'm sure certain conversations or certain things, you know, the writers are kind of putting their own interpretation on how they think the queen may have handled it. You know what I mean? I'm sure it's not all the way 1000 actual factual, but I think they get it pretty damn close. You know what I'm saying? As to how uh, the monarchy and all the leaders and all that um, handle certain situations. You know what I'm saying? So um, definitely a fan of the show. Uh, season four, I believe, is dropping on Flicks on November 15th. And this time, um, I believe they're covering the relationship between the Queen and Margaret Thatcher, which is, I believe, a female prime minister. Uh, I believe Ma- Margaret Thatcher was also played by um, uh, one of the greatest uh, female actresses of all time, if not the greatest, uh, Meryl Streep in The Iron Lady. So I know a little bit about Margaret Thatcher, but um, they're going to cover the the relationship between the Queen and Margaret Thatcher. And then one thing that they're going to cover that I think a lot of people will be interested in, um, and I'm interested in, I know a lot about this individual, but I'm interested to see how The Crown, which is already a stellar show through the first three seasons, I'm I'm really curious to see how they're going to handle this. They're going to introduce Princess Diana Spencer, right? And I'm curious to see the relationship between Princess Diana and the Queen, as well as her relationship with Charles. And um, it's fascinating, man. It's fascinating. Whether you're a fan of the monarchy or not, it's still fascinating to see um, people that grow up in that way um, approaching society and uh, a certain way of living that way. It's just, it's it's um, it's interesting to have the curtains pulled back, even from a creative writing standpoint, to just see, you know, what that's like. So I'm looking forward to that. I usually binge watch that show a little bit faster than I would like to, but um, I'm looking forward to The Crown season four. Uh, another show that I liked, um, as you guys know, I'm a huge fan of UK shows. Yo, them UK shows be hitting, bruh, or sis, Gallerman. You know, and that's why a lot of the UK actors come over here and snatch up all the jobs, because I feel like it's easier for I feel like it's easier for UK actors to come over and snatch North American jobs than it is for North American actors and actresses to snatch those UK jobs. I feel like because, you know, they talk a little bit like this, you know, blimey, you know, would you like a cup of tea, bong as a marsh or, you know, maybe it's easier for them to slip into an American accent or you feel me? Like, I just feel like because I've watched a lot of UK shows that just be hitting. They slap their fire. And I just I'm a huge fan of their shows. So uh, one show that I watched um, is a show called Hinterland, spelled H-I-N-T-E-R-L-A-N-D. Um, I believe it's set in Wales. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I really enjoyed that show. It's a crime mystery, you know, your typical detective show. And, you know, at the beginning of every episode, you know, there's a crime that happens and you see how it unfolds, while there's also a storyline that's developing, you know, from season to season with the actual characters. Excellent acting. I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, it's, it's a great show. Uh, another show I um, I watched, the main actor in this show, his name is David Tennant. Um, he's a great actor. I'm a fan of his. He was uh, the main character in another show I mentioned on a previous pod called Broadchurch. I watched a true crime um, where that actor, David Tennant, uh, plays a Scottish serial killer. I might be wrong on the 
on the location in the UK. But he plays a serial serial killer named uh, Daniel Nielsen, uh, who goes by Dez for short. The show's called Dez, D-E-S. And um, it's only three episodes, but that was fire. And that was crazy, uh, a crazy, uh, crazy insight into a true story on a, uh, a serial killer. And um, I thought that was that was a crazy watch. And uh, yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. So those, those are just a few shows that you can check out, you know, if you're a movie TV connoisseur such as myself, uh, you know, I really enjoyed um, those shows now. Sound like Bill Cosby there. We shouldn't be putting... Uh, I don't want to sound like Bill, but... Now! You know, he does that shit. Anyway. Um, another thing that I kind of wanted to touch on, and this is going to be the one where I'm not really sure... I know where, how, what I want to touch on, but I'm not really sure how I'm going to uh, pull this one out, but fuck it. Let's go for it. So I wanted to... You know, I wanted to discuss... I know where I'm trying to get to, but I want to bring up poker. Okay, I want to bring up the game of poker. Um, Now, poker is a game that I've played, I don't know, maybe five to ten times in my life. And, you know, um, poker is a game where, you know, with any card game, you know, there's a lot of it's a, a part of the game is luck because, you know, you shuffle the cards and the cards get distributed, but you have no control over what cards you're going to get. So. Uh, it's kind of like life, you know, uh, you deal with the hand that you're dealt. You know what I mean? That's one part of the game. But another part of the game is the ability to read the room, so to speak, and to read the players that you're playing with, because people have different tells. You know, sometimes people, um, uh, should I say, um, is it subconsciously or maybe subconsciously isn't the right word. But with poker, sometimes people are unaware that they're giving certain things away based on their body language. Uh, sometimes people are purposefully trying to throw you off with their body language. So essentially giving off one signal, but meaning another. So it's it's definitely a mental, emotional and a game of luck kind of all um, intertwined. And um, I feel like you can draw some parallels with um, playing poker and different relationships that you have uh, over your lifetime or just in general, you know, because so I remember when I first played poker, you know, um, the first few times I didn't really have that much experience with it, but I played with some friends over, like I said, I played about, let's say five to 10 games and um, I was learning the game. So I was playing, but the only thing is I didn't always know what I had. I knew, I knew like, you know, you know, certain hands. Okay. But the only thing I had as assistance is, you know, how every deck of cards, you know, with um, the most deck of cards come with like that one card that shows you like all the different poker hands. So when I was playing as a beginner, I would I would play the game and rely on the luck of whatever hand I was dealt and I would be reading the players around me. But the only assistance I had was just a little card that showed me, oh, like, you know, what the different winning hands were, you know, and much to my surprise and to the surprise of the people that I was playing with. I won a lot of pots you know, there was there was nights that we were playing that, um, you know, a lot of people were coming in and they were great poker players and they were experienced. Um, but, you know, all of a sudden I'm winning. And at first, you know, it was called beginner's luck. But then I continued to win because, you know, I would win in the beginning. I'd win. I'd win the whole game. And it's like, ah, oh, beginner's luck, you know, this, that and the third. But then I played on, let's say, two or three other occasions where I won everything as well. And um the reason I wanted to kind of bring up poker is because, you know, 
the other day, you know, I, you know, this, this, this brain is always, you know, like a wheel that's always turning. But I was thinking about how that kind of parallels with like people's approach to um, relationships. And I feel like your relationships with, you know, with a partner, you know, someone that you're in a romantic relationship with or an intimate relationship with um, or with friendships or with family members or just any type of relationship, I feel like can be like one big poker game. You know, and I've just been quite wary of like or overthinking like, you know, everybody approaches relationships differently in this life. You know, it's like with the relationships that you have in your life right now, like what are you really trying to get out of these relationships? You know, and and what I realize is there's not really a right or a wrong answer. You know, I just I just feel like everybody approaches relationships different, you know, and I feel like for the most part, you know, um, you know, for the most part with relationships, you know, so let's say um, I feel like I approach it the same. You know, I feel like being genuine and being authentic is, you know, is something that's very important to me. And I really just believe in, you know, treating others the way you want to be treated. Nobody's perfect. You know what I'm saying? No one's no one's perfect. Everyone's entitled to a bad day. Everyone's entitled to saying the wrong thing. Everyone's um, does something that they shouldn't do. Everyone sometimes, you know, acts in a way that they're not proud of and perhaps an apology is needed. Perhaps an apology is not needed. Relationships aren't meant to be perfect. But, you know, one thing these last, you know, 12 months or, you know, the, the, the tail end of 2019 and 2020 really has me reflecting on is relationships and how we approach it. And like, what is the, the motive? What is the motivation behind you embarking on a relationship of any kind, like, what do you really want out of it? And, you know, and, and one thing I had to learn is, and I think we we all learn at some point is, there is no right or wrong answer to how you approach relationships. You know, you have one life, one life, one life. Shout out Israeli Don always, and then the whole team, but it's your life, right? And we're all, we all have a one-way ticket out this motherfucker at some point, you know what I'm saying? So. A- a- any day could be your last, you know what I'm saying? And it's like how you approach relationships, there's no right or wrong answer. It's up to you. But one lesson that I had to learn is that not everyone approaches relationships and interactions the way that I approach it. And there's no right or wrong answer. I feel like there's a certain level of genuineness and authenticness, if those are words, or like sincerity that I approach any relationship with. But then I realized that people have different approaches from it. Sometimes people look at relationships like business, you know, where it's all about what they can get out of it, you know, or how, how does this best serve whatever their personal interests are, maybe financial interests are. It's like, I think that's one thing that if you're not aware of that, I think you need to just be aware, you know, that relationships may not be what you think they are. You know what I'm saying? When you think about, you know, I think my my approach to relationships, you know, if you start on even like a from an intimate or romantic standpoint is I've always been of the of the belief that, look, I'm not perfect, but I feel like um, I try to do what's right. I feel like I'm a good dude. And I, I, you know, I put a lot into relationships when I'm in them. And I always approached it like if there's real love there and if there is a certain level of compatibility, compatibility and common interests, that should be enough to sustain because. I don't take myself that seriously. I know I'm not perfect. And so I don't have unrealistic expectations out of a relationship. You know, I always go back to 
you know, that movie, Why Did I Get Married, that Tyler Perry movie. And I always think back to the 80-20 rule that one of the characters mentioned. And one of the characters said, you're only going to get 80% out of somebody. The perfect person doesn't exist. You know, you're not perfect. They're not perfect. But the most you're going to get is 80% of what you want. And there's always going to be 20% about that individual that's going to drive you crazy. So there's always going to be 20% of you that can't be changed. It's going to drive your partner crazy. And it's always going to be 20% about them. That's going to drive you crazy. But, you know, you accept, you accept that, you know, you take your A grade, your 80% and uh, live happily ever after. Right. But, you know, so I feel like I've always approached relationships with, you know, be authentic, be genuine, you know, if there's love there, you know, and if there's compatibility, then you just do your best, you know, and let the chips fall where they may, understanding that not every day is going to be perfect. That's not how life works, you know, and you're essentially conjoined to that person. You essentially become one. But, you know, one thing that I had to learn is that people approach relationships differently. Some people, that's the last thing that they're thinking about when they enter a relationship. You know, sometimes it's for security, you know what I'm saying? And there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes the sole purpose of someone being in a relationship is for maybe financial gain, you know, what can they gain financially from this situation? Or, you know, if they have certain goals on a monetary or goal level, you know, maybe with, um, you know, having children or maybe with uh, purchasing a home or maybe with building up a bank or um, maybe just with feeling secure and comfortable. Sometimes it's about, you know, look, I have this going on in my life. You got that going on. How can we team up and, and, um, climb together in that regard and make your success my success and, you know, and, and, and whatnot. So some people approach it that way. Um, you know, other approaches are, you know, I just had to accept and understand that, you know, some people approach it for just, it's, it's, it's more so about, it's almost like a job, you know what I'm saying? And there's nothing wrong with that, but I just wanted to touch on that, that I think people just need to be, um, very wary and, uh, diligent in observing, you know, what a relationship really is and, you know, what each party is trying to get out of it, you know, and I think that rings true for um, friendships as well. You know what I'm saying? What is the what is the purpose of this friendship? You know what I'm saying? Is it to connect on a deep level? Is it to have each other's back uh, through thick and thin? You know, are we, um, you know, it's just, you know, you, you have to also identify what kind of person are you? Are you someone that's, um, you know, you can have the, um, you know, I always compare it to like, I feel like, and again, there's no right or wrong. People are just people, but I feel like you got some people that operate above the surface and some people that operate below the surface. Which one are you? You know what I'm saying? Are you a below the surface individual where, you know, um, you can have the regular conversations. Oh, let's talk sports or let's talk politics or let's talk current affairs. But maybe a lot of who you are is uh, below the surface in conversations that are deeper, are more on an emotional level, you know? Uh, are you that person? Then you naturally are going to connect most with like-minded individuals, you know? Um, you got other people where things are more about what is seen um, and, and, and how they appear or and, and those, those above-surface conversations, you know, as long as you keep it light, um, that's where the, the connection happens and that's where they will blend more with like-minded individuals, you know what I'm saying? So, again, I've just been really thinking about you know, relationships, you know what I mean? Even relationships with your family. I mean, like, what are you getting out of it, really? You know what I'm saying? What is the purpose of this connection? Is it all about keeping up with appearances? Is it all about, um, you know, uh, how things appear on social media? It's like, you know what I'm saying? So it's just, I don't know. You know, this is just me 
Uh, this is like a stream of consci- uh, consciousness, you know, yay voice. Um, but, you know, I just really, um, I've really just been reflecting a lot on relationships. And I think it just, um, you know, one thing that's important, to, you know, for me moving forward, I talk about protecting my energy. I talk about, you know, my happiness. You know, I feel like, you know, for a number of years, again, I'm far from perfect. You know, you guys listen to these podcasts. You, you know, my, my, my train of thoughts, you know how... Uh, my perspectives, you know, I'm I'm far from perfect, but I think I've just transitioned into a space where, you know, nothing lasts forever, yo. You know, I only got one life to live, and I feel like um, I spent a lot of a lot of my years, um, you know, instead of focusing on loving myself, you know, I spent a lot of years on loving others. You know what I mean? And making that a main objective, having my own goal and aspirations, but putting a lot of emphasis on making other people happy, you know, whether it's, you know, relationships that I was in, whether it's obligations to family, whether it's certain friendships and, you know, um, coming to the realization that the world doesn't necessarily work like that. And a lot of people are putting um, themselves before everyone else. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I feel like, you know, um, you know, I feel like I was naive in, in certain ways and innocent in certain ways, but you come to an age where innocence is gone, naivety is gone, and you, you see the world for what it really is. You know, you get some age on you and you get perspective. So, you know, I, my advice is just to take a deep look into the relationships that you have in your life and, um, you know, just look at it. And, and you know, and, and I don't even know what I'm saying. You know, it's just, you know, it's my podcast, so I say what the fuck I want. But, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, looking into the relationships in your life is something that might be important. And to just decide what do you want out of the relationships in your life and do the current relationships you have, do they align with what you want for your life? And if they don't, maybe some changes need to happen. And um, if they do, then awesome. You know what I mean? But, you know, I just think it's um, it's something worth thinking about and uh, and reflecting on, you know, and um you know, another thing that I was thinking about, too, is, um, you know, you know, the difference between, you know, mental intelligence and emotional intelligence. Right. You know, you have some people out um, not out here, but, you know, some people predominantly operate off mental intelligence. You know what I mean? It's all about, you know, you know, they're taking the IQ tests and they're um, they take pleasure in, you know, um, having mental intelligence. You know what I'm saying? And some people have the ability to read the room and they can read body language and they just have an innate sense of, you know, awareness. And, you know, sometimes, you know, there's 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 different languages being spoken at all times. You know, there's the language being spoken verbally and, you know, through an exchange of words, you know, there's intelligence in being able to um, be aware and read the room and being intuitive and perceptive. You know, there's maybe even spiritual intelligence, you know, innately feeling certain things and um, I just think that even back to the poker analogy, it's just that I think it's important not to underestimate anybody, you know, um, sometimes when you think you know everything, it's just a sign that you don't know shit, you know. So I think it's important to just um, never underestimate anybody and to just realize that, you know, the uh, mental intelligence isn't the the end all, you know, that isn't the um, the most powerful uh, force out there. You know what I'm saying? It's like you can you can uh, know a lot from what you read in books or you can have a naturally high IQ. Um, but to me, that's like 
you know, it draws to like what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. You know, you might um, find yourself in a situation where you think you know everything and you think that you're outsmarting people around you when and then you buck up upon, uh, you know, you're the unstoppable force that bumps into the immovable object. So what does one do when they feel like they know everything as far as mental sharpness and a high IQ? And then you come across somebody that innately can read the room and is highly perceptive and intuitive. Um, that's when you find yourself at a motherfucking wall, right? That's the uh, unstoppable force meeting the immovable objects. That's the one that um, has a high IQ and mental intelligence meeting someone that can read people and is very perceptive and intuitive. So, you know, you find yourself at a crossroads. So, you know, you can tell that I've just been thinking a lot about relationships and connections and you know, it's very important for me to stay with my horse blinders off and with my tunnel vision and to stay focused on what do I what I want to accomplish. And um, I've just realized that, again, you only got one life to live. So have your goals in your mind of what you want to accomplish and do whatever you got to do to get there, you know, to leave your stamp on this earth, to think about what you want your legacy to be. And, um, you know, you got to just realize that it's only important to have like-minded individuals around you and um, and to have connections and relationships that are conducive to what you want to accomplish in this life. And it might force you to make tough decisions. You know, it might make you to uh, to lose friendships. It might make you to gain friendships. You know, it, it might you might, you know, you might draw away from people. You might draw closer to others. But, you know, I think that's very important to um, to always keep that as the as the main focus, because. The majority of people in this life are doing that, you know, so don't get too caught up in um, don't get too caught up in connections. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you got to I just think you should keep it real with those who keep it real with you. And I feel like you can you can still be a great person and a authentic and loving individual. But don't be a doormat um, and don't allow people to just, you know, use you. You know what I'm saying? Get some stones and learn the power of no. And uh, nah, and like, oh, what, you're just going to do that? Yeah, I am going to do that. Or just, I don't give a fuck. You know, I think there's a book called The Art of Not Giving a Fuck. You know what I'm saying? You should give a fuck, you know, to a degree. But in certain aspects of your life, stand on your own two feet and do what you got to do and accomplish your dreams and go for what you got to go for because you only got one life to live. You heard? So I just wanted to touch on that. I feel like there was another point that I wanted to touch on regarding that. But it's okay. If it comes to me, I can always discuss it on the next one. Uh, Let me take a second here to see if it comes to me. Uh, Relationships. Uh, No, I think we can leave it there. I think we can leave it there. This pod's running a little bit long. So you heard. Uh, Another thing that I wanted to touch on is um, I had a really good time, man. Um, You know, 2020 has been a crazy year, man. There's been a lot of isolation, seclusion. Um, You know, a lot of people working from home, um, you know. Just a a lot of restaurants and social places that people could gather in and go out to. Um, You know, there's been a it's been a tough year for businesses, for people with jobs, just personally for people. And, um, you know, there hasn't been that much interaction, but I got some time to uh, to kick it with my goddaughters. You know, um, I got two twin goddaughters. They're six years old, two twin six year old girls. And um, I got a chance to spend some time with them this weekend. And man. There's some great girls, man. They're awesome. You know what I'm saying? They always wear the same outfits. <laughs> you know, they talk in unison. You know what I'm saying? A lot. And I got a, I got a chance to spend time with them. But man, 
They're well-mannered kids. Uh, sorry, well-mannered kids. They're a lot of fun. Um, I had a lot of fun with them. They had me laughing, you know what I mean? Very intelligent. Um, and they're just good kids. But man, I didn't realize how much energy, um, you know, young kids take out of you. Or I forgot, you know, two twin six-year-old girls. Man, you know what I'm saying? So we went to the park. You know, we, we spent a couple hours at the park and uh, we had a lot of fun. But it's funny. It's like I chilled with them over the weekend and I didn't realize how tired I was. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just go, 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 you know. And uh, once they left um, and I got into my bed, I slept like I slept like a mummy and shit for real. Like I was out, man. I, I got like I, I can't remember the last time I got 10 hours. Like for me, sleeping in is like waking up between seven and nine. Um, so. The fact that um, I knocked out for like 10 hours um, shows that they really uh, they really took my took my energy away, but had an amazing experience with them. And it's crazy. You know, I don't have any kids currently, you know, but, you know, being 31 years of age, you know, I'm I'm always thinking about not always, but the thought of fatherhood crosses my mind a lot. And, um, you know, hanging out with them and seeing how they're sponges and they soak up things, you know, it really makes me uh, think about. Um, being a father one day, hopefully, you know, if that's in the cards or it's not in the cards, but, you know, it's something that I definitely would like to explore. But now I, I, you know, and I already knew this, but like, I got a a fresh reminder of like, sometimes when you see parents and they look like they haven't slept in a week, I understand why. Excuse me. And uh, another thing I had me thinking about is, you know, I'm not sure how many of you are from the school of hard knocks. You know, I mean, I know a lot of the younger generation is in just the school of the loud voice and the empty threats and the, um, you know, threatening to call call social services if your parents are going to box you. But, you know, for those of us that (laughs) those of us that are from the school of hard knocks, I I honestly understand why sometimes we caught licks for no reason. You know what I'm saying? Because being around young kids, you mean they're innocent. You know what I'm saying? But, yo, they um, they create messes. They spill things. You know what I mean? They. You might clean you might have a clean environment and they go through there like a like a tornado or like a like her like a hurricane and you know things are all over the place and i understand sometimes why the older generation would just lose their patience and be boxing their kids you know what i'm saying not that i agree but like i understand it you know what i'm saying um you know kids require a lot of patience so you know if you're thinking of having children you know uh if you're a young if you're a younger person or uh you know around my age or so just keep in mind that these youngins, man, you know, they're they're innocent, they're good kids, but they require patience. You know what I'm saying? So get that and get that in check. You know what I'm saying? And know that's that's gonna be a part of the journey, as well as um them taking up a lot of your energy. But we had a great time, you know, I had a great time with them. Can't wait to connect with them and you know, I can vicariously I can't say vicariously live through them. That's not what I meant to say. But I'm saying like at least with my relationship with my goddaughters, you know, them being at the age of six. That can be my practice for uh, for when I eventually or Lord willing, become a father one day, you know, so I had a great time with them. Um, Yes. One thing I wanted to touch on. Don't think I forgot. All right. Don't think I forgot that the orange got peeled. Oh, you know that you you know, I knew that the orange got peeled. You, You know, you know, I know all about Donald Duck. You know what I'm saying? Fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, nigga. Fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, nigga, fuck Donald Trump. <laughs> Shout out to YG and Nipsey Hussle song FDT. Joe Biden became the 46th president elect of the United States. So this is a really amazing thing. 
You know, I'm glad that Donald Trump is the first one term president. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, since 1989, 31 years ago, same as long as I've been alive, there hasn't been a one term president, give or take. And the last one was George Bush's dad, George Bush Sr. He was a one term president. And uh, now Donald Trump is a one term president. So I know the states and the states have experienced it, but the rest of the world has uh, bore witness to the tumultuous four years of Donald Trump in office. Like I said, there's no judgment with me. I said this on the last pod. I don't judge people for their political affiliations or who they voted for. That that's besides the point. And to be honest, I don't even trust politicians. I don't trust any politician. Power corrupts and people get into office doing favors for other people. And there's things behind the scenes and with the higher ups that we'll never know. And we don't know these fucking people, as I said on the last pod. But I am happy that um, the states at least now has a figurehead because, you know, a lot of the decision making is by the people around them and things got to go through Congress. I know they do executive orders and shit like that, but um we know that in, in a lot of ways, they're just the face, you know, of, of the machine, the head of the snake. But, you know, at the very least, I believe every country deserves a leader that at least appears to be for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Um, can articulate themselves positively, professionally with a little bit of class and etiquette. And, you know, one thing I always loved about the political process, despite not knowing these people and not knowing, you know, you know, what's how authentic and how genuine they really are. At least I feel like every country appreciates having someone as the head of the country, the head of the snake that just makes the country look good. Like we got Justin Trudeau, like, you know what I mean? Like whether you like Trudeau or not, I mean, the man carries himself well and he's a good representation of Canada. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you want that in your leaders, whether you agree with them or not, you know, in tough times or when things are rocky, You know, you want someone steady. You want someone that is just not a dick. You know what I mean? And, you know, I think a lot of Americans can agree. And I think a lot of the world will agree that American politics, especially over the last four years, has been an an extension of the celebrity apprentice. You know, Uh, you know, it's just been a joke. You know what I'm saying? So just because Biden got into office, that doesn't solve all the problems. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. But at least, you know, there's someone in office that's not going to look to make this or not going to make the states look bad on, on the global scale. So I think, you know, a lot of the world is uh, 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 exhaled a sigh of relief, you know, knowing that that um, reality show um, is going to be uh, coming to an end. I mean, he's still in the office for another, uh, you know, Donald Duck is still there for another 70 days. But, you know, at least um, at least the hey, put it put it to you this way. Um, for the, um, you know, for the Trump supporters out there and the white supremacists, look, you just went from one old white man to another old white man. Okay. It may not be the old white man that you wanted, but he's an old white man nonetheless. So, you know, isn't your pea brain, small minded ass, at least happy that there's someone of your skin tone in there. It's another old white man for you. So just work with this old white man and, you know, and just be happy in your, in your whiteness, you know, but Yo, Joe Biden's a a cool dude. You know what I'm saying? So I think that'll be cool. Um, I also want to give a well-deserved shout out uh, to my, uh, well, she's married, but I'm her side dude. All right. Uh, Camilla Harris. What's up, sweetheart? What's up, baby? I'm so proud of you. (laughs) You know, I'm so happy that you made it into the White House. You know, we're going to have to figure this out. You know, she's happily married, but I'd be seeing Camilla on the side. 
you know, you know, when I met her at a uh, at a conference, you know, not too long ago, I'm not going to say how long I'm going to put our business out there, baby, too much. But, you know, um, I agreed to be her side dude. She's got a lot of pressure on her. She's got a lot of things going on. She's an incredible lady, but love is love, you know. So shout out to Camilla Harris. I'm going to have to figure out. I don't know what's going to happen with our relationship now because the White House and the security measures and Secret Service, but we'll figure something out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All jokes aside, though, um, you know, the name of this podcast, the End of Forever podcast, episode nine, I purposely waited until this point to mention it, is called What a Time to Be Alive. Because as unprecedented of a year as this has been, I mean, what a time to be alive can be taken in a positive 